Take us away, mate. All right. G'day, viewers. Welcome to the Tripod Live with Winnie and Clarky. First of all, let me introduce myself for those who might not be aware. My name's Clarky. I have provided free footy content for nine years on my Facebook and Instagram under Clarky's Rugby League column. And I'll be joined every Wednesday for this preview with none other than Jacob from Tripod, who I'll hand over to introduce to himself now. Well, mate, I thought I could introduce myself, but why don't I let you introduce me? I've just got a little... They call him Jacob Wynn. Because all he does is win. How good's that one, buddy? How good's Jacob's tips? We love them. Here we do. (laughs) Do do you remember that video? That's a blast from the past. Do you remember the story behind that one? Mate, you've got me a beauty here. I had no idea you were going to play that. I don't remember the story behind it. Do you remember? That was, yeah, you messaged me on like a Friday night. You said, mate, just I'm feeling a first try scorer. I want something exotic AF. And I told you, Luciano Leilua, it was Tigers Eels. He did crash over and score first. He was in my same game multi. People can look it up on the tripod. This is 2020, 1,400 to 1. So that's why I can remember that night very well. I'm sure you've introduced me to your audience before. Um... Look, I don't always win. I'll have my fair share of losses in there, but this is my ninth season doing the tripod, so I think it's fair to say we've won more than we've lost along the way. We give it our best and we come at it with a unique perspective of trying to predict how the games are going to go and set the table for everyone to enjoy uh, the footy ahead and give you as much information as we can that we think is important for anyone, whether you're punting, tipping, or just enjoying the games to consider. And we invite you guys to join in and share your thoughts with us as well. Uh, Clark, you want to run people through what we're going to do on tonight's show? Yeah, absolutely. So this one will be a little bit different to what we'll have in store for 2023. Typically, you'll see a preview on Wednesday. It'll be live. And then straight after the last game on Sunday, you will see a review. Uh, But for today, because the season's not here just yet, we've got one more weekend. We're going to go through and do a breakdown team by team. We're going to do some future predictions, some uh, potential bets that we like. And uh, yeah, just give our general thoughts on every single team. We'll talk about some of their key gains, losses, areas they might need to improve or struggle, and then give our predicted ladder finish. Uh, And along the way, guys, we want you to give your thoughts. So of course, this is a live show on YouTube and Facebook. You can see the comments popping up as you guys throw them. So uh, yeah, join in, guys. That's the idea of this. We want it to be an interactive live show where you're seeing your comments appear, we're reacting to them. So yeah, go ahead, guys. Uh, But let's start off with this. Now, most betting shows I'm sure you guys watch, they want you to wait until the very end. They want to keep you engaged the whole time before you get their best bets. And we're not going to roll that way this year. We are going to give you the best bets in the first five minutes. Every single episode, we're going to get down and dirty. And this year, we have a sponsor for the best bets. That sponsor is none other than... There it is right there on your guys' screen, Lana Tradie Software. Lana helps tradies to ensure they win more jobs and never lose a lead again. If you're a tradie or any business owner looking for the edge, Lana is your best bet. Check out the link in the show description for more info. And of course, we've got a discount for our followers, 10% off using the code TPLIVE. You can see all those details right there on your screen. With that in mind, Jacob, what do you say we get into it? Let's go teams one to eight from last year's ladder. Can't wait, mate. So that, of course, has got to be the Penrith Panthers. Yes, the Penrith Panthers. All right, guys, let's go. Quick run, Panthers. We've got the, I've gone for three key gains and losses where applicable for most teams. Key gains, Luke Garner, Zach Hosking, Jack Cogger. 
key losses, Appy Coruscant, Viliami Kikau, and Jermaine Hopgood, who's been awesome in the trials. A couple of notes I've got here for the Panthers, uh, Jacob. The loss of the assistant coaches, how much will that affect them having lost Seraldo and Andrew Webster, who have gone on to be head coaches? That is a lot of knowledge that is leaving the building. And, you know, I think people are going to talk, oh, they've lost Coruscant, they've lost Kikau, but I almost feel like those two could be the bigger losses. Coruscant, I just touched on him. Didn't quite look themselves in the World Club Challenge. Now, that's a range of factors at play there. But without Apicotisau there in the ruck, I did think they lacked a little bit of creativity around their forwards and, and how they played in the middle there. The biggest thing is the target grows again. Not only are they the Premiers now, they're the back-to-back Premiers. Seemingly, their roster has gotten weaker and the target on their back has grown bigger. All things said, though, Jacob, I'm still keen on the Panthers this year. I love the depth they've got there having won all the junior grades you can possibly win. And so I've got them at second this year. I still think Panthers will be a top four side and they're still a major premiership. And we're going to start, as Clarky may have just frozen there, we are going to start with our ladder predictions and then we're going to give you our grand finals and our futures at the end. So when you're talking about the ladder in the regular season, I think this Penrith side is well aware that they're going for three in a row and I could definitely foresee a slow start. You mentioned target on the back. You've won two premierships in a row. There was a World Cup where a lot of your players were involved. World Club Challenge, they're going to have a lot of rep players as usual. Uh, In terms of personnel, you have decent cover in Kenny and uh, Sonny Luke for nine, but you miss the class of Coruscant and his defence. You miss the impact of Kikau in big games. But that's how the salary cap's meant to work. A team that was historically good is coming back to the pack a little bit. The truth of the matter is they still have an elite core. And I also have them coming second on the ladder after the 27. Is it 27 rounds we're going to have uh, in 2023? We are. And I actually lost you for all of that. My computer was uh, lagging there. With the- <laughs> I did hear you've got them for second and we do have a 27-round season. Um, But, yeah, sounds like we're pretty much both on the same page there for the Panthers. Anything else before we move on to the Sharkies? Next one, mate. Just got a bit of lag there. Sorry, mate. We'll jump on to the Sharkies, guys. Key gains I've got for the Sharkies. Oregon Kafusi, their only signing there. Key losses, Lachlan Miller, Luke Metcalf, and Andrew Fafita. Areas uh, to discuss. Nil improvements. I don't really see this Shark side improving too much. I'm not sure they can. A lot of their players are in pretty good form as it is. I think if there's one area that I could pick for them to improve, it's probably around their halves. Uh, Nico Hines. Now, I'm not saying there is an over-reliance on Nico Hines, but certainly given that he's the Dally M player of the year, there will be a larger target on his back. Another interesting component of that is Matt Moylan and how much longer he can really fly under the radar. I did see a stat on the Bloke in a Bar podcast that he had the most try involvements of any player last year, which I wouldn't have picked at all. Definitely flying under the radar. And so, yeah, a little bit around their halves there is probably the areas where they might be able to slightly improve in a little bit of odd ways. But I've got them finishing fourth, Jacob. I still think they're a top four side. I love Craig Fitzgibbon as a coach. And, yeah, I can't see the Sharkies falling out of that top four. How are you seeing them this year? Well, I'll add to that. I'll try and give you guys a punting perspective as well. The Sharks are the fifth favourite, so predicted by the bookies to finish about fifth, second last year in 2022, uh, and that was Fitzgibbon's first year, which I think we would all agree they were ahead of schedule to be that good. You could see the promise there, but you mentioned Hines. He was unreal. Nobody, even the loftiest expectations, wouldn't have seen him win the Dally M 
in his first uh, season at halfback. And then Moylan, as you mentioned, had his best uh, season in years. He just kind of was a foil to Nico who ran the show. The outside backs were really dynamic and the forward pack was tough and ran a lot of supports, which made them really tough to defend. But on the other side of the coin, they were a really staunch defence all season. Now, I do think a lot of things went right for them. They avoided too many key injuries. Uh, I feel like they got pretty lucky with the draw. They, they played teams that the year before were top eight sides like Knights or Titans, but were, were no good in 2022, to be brutally honest. They played some teams when they rested or had key players out. And that probably helped them get to second. And it was kind of probably evidence in the finals that they couldn't quite cut it with the best sides come finals time. But they've still, still certainly got um, something they can build on. I just kind of look at them and go, you have to be better than you were last year because a lot of things went your way. So you have to be better just to get near where you finished last year. And that's not necessarily easy. They haven't necessarily recruited. So I guess you could say, more continuity, but also they won't be underestimated by opponents. I think bottom half of the top eight is where I see them. Uh, I predicted them sixth. Six for the Sharkies. Again, a little bit of lag there, but I did catch your final. We had the North Queensland Cowboys, Todd Payton's men up north. Key gains, only really two, James Tarmo and Jack Kozewski. Uh, key losses, I think the two biggest ones to call out are Tom Gilbert and Hamaso Tabiwai Fido. Areas to discuss around the Cowboys. I've got their consistency from last year because I felt last year was their first real successful year post the Jonathan Thurston era. Um, they had, I believe, played finals since, but they hadn't really discovered their identity post JT. And they did find that last year. And as a result, Almost every single one of their players was in career best form. And tying it back to what you said, this could be another challenge for the Cowboys. Can they improve from where they were last year? I have them finishing fifth. They were the hardest team for me to leave outside of the top four. But I do think that, as you said, it's a really good point. How much further can these Cowboys team improve? And subsequent to that, with their entire roster in career best form, is that sustainable for another year for them to get into the top four? I probably don't think so. So I will have them sitting just there at fifth, just outside the top four. How are you seeing the Cowboys this season? The bookies also see them as the fourth favourite for the competition. And look, this is a team that completely proved me wrong a year ago. And a lot of people like, I don't know who saw this side coming. So I want to look back and say, how did they do it? How did they perform so far above expectations last year? You know, Peyton was a second year coach. So I was kind of unsure about his methods, but boy, were they effective. He worked his magic in the preseason. The whole squad bought into his philosophy and they were as fit as any team at the comp. You had Valentine Holmes. It was like a headache. Is he an overpaid winger? Do you play him fullback, but you've got other good fullbacks on the team? Well, he just reinvented himself as a rep center, solved that problem, drink water, start at fullback. Dearden really blossomed. Uh, Townsend was savvy and provided great leadership where we probably doubted him. You've got guys like McLean, best form of his or best form since he was in Melbourne, you know, six years ago. Ruben Cotter, a revelation. Nanai, a superstar. You know, we didn't know much about these players at all. Of course, Taumalolo, he, he, you know what he's going to deliver on a weekly basis. So you brought all of those things together and you had a side that people should remember. They had one foot in the grand final. They had a 10-point, 8-point lead at home in a prelim over Parramatta. Um, before letting some crash tries over by RCG. They could have made the grand final. To be fair, they might have succumbed to the same fate as Para. But either way, phenomenal season. Um, and, you know, everyone knows that 
what Peyton's doing is working. They got rep jerseys out of it. They um they got you know they had such an exciting season. So I feel like they're all going to buy in again. Again, you're not going to ambush sides. You have lost Gilbert, uh, Hamiso, and then there's the Luciano Leilua I referred to before. There's that situation, but Mitch Dunn could be a big inclusion. People will forget because he had a cruel injury right before the season. So I'm with the market here. I did have them um, in fourth place. We're going to hear from Tristan at Top Sport later. He's going to give some opportunities to our listeners to get some top of the market, aggressive prices, the best prices you are going to get about some teams. And he has handpicked teams that he doesn't believe in as much. And Cowboys are one of the sides he thinks is going to fall back. So because of that, a little later tonight, if you go to Top Sport, you're going to get the best odds by far on the Cowboys to make the eight, uh, make the four, around $2.80 you're going to get. And you're going to get around, I think, around $7 for them to make the grand final. And I'm going to have a tip involving them as well because I disagree with Top Sport. And when we disagree with the bookie, then that's where we can find our best bets. So, yeah, I do have them as a top four side again in 2023. Mate, some great points there. We move on to the fourth side from last year on the light of the Parramatta Eels. Key gains, I've got Josh Hodgson, Jermaine Hopgood and Jack Murchie. Key losses. Now, this is some really big losses here. There's no underselling this. Isaiah Papali'i, Reid Marnie and Murata Niakore. And, of course, that's where I've got to start my discussion points around those losses in the team and the gap that they lose because I really feel like what Reid Marnie and Isaiah Papali'i bring in particular, you just cannot replay it with like-for-like players. You just cannot replace them at all. You're going to need to adjust your style in some way. They have made some signings to do that in Josh Hodgson and potentially a Jack Murchie or a Matt Dory. But then the question mark is, how do they adapt to this new style around Josh Hodgson? And of course, Josh Hodgson's no, no scrub at all. It was only a few years ago when Peter Sterling, one of the best analysts the game's ever seen, come out and said he is better than Cameron Smith. Fast forward now, he has had two ACL tears which is a huge, huge question mark. Will he ever be the same? That's really the question for me. I really feel that the ill success this year revolves around Josh Hodgson and how he looks returning from his third ACL in his career. It is a big, big question mark. For that reason, I've got the Eels finishing seventh. I still think they're quality enough to play finals, particularly with the rest of the spine there and the forward pack they do have. But with that question mark, I can't put them that close to the top four. They could be a team I could see slide out of the top eight, but because they were in the grand final last year and we know they are still a quality side, I'll put them at seventh, Jacob. How are you seeing the Eels this year? I will first of all apologise I dropped the ball. One of my duties while you're steering the ship was to change the logo in the top right corner to the team we're talking about. And I let it lag. People were probably confused why there was a Raiders logo there. Now it is Parramatta Eels, grand finalists from last year. People that have followed the pod know I've been a Parramatta believer for the last couple of years. And they kind of shook off that stigma of that their finals failures by winning multiple big finals games last year, obviously getting to the grand final. They knew that that was their window, their, you know, their key position players all in their prime, and they knew who was leaving at the end of 22. So now how are you going to live up to that? It is going to be tough. And I think Hodgson, you say, is key. And for sure, you're going to miss uh, IPAP. Uh, Hobgood, I think, is a great first grader. Anytime you can kind of grab someone that just couldn't break into the Penrith side, they could still be a hell of a good player. And you've still got Gutho, Brown, Moses. They've just got incredible continuity in that spine, and they're still going to win a lot of games. For me, I'm looking at the props, RCG and Barlow. Are they, they're taking up in mileage, but how much have they got in the tank? 
feel like Madison has never taken that next step. I know he has played Origin, but I feel like he had the promise to, you know, be a mainstay Origin player. They're going to need him to step up there in the back row. Um, and, you know, this is another side that a lot of people are doubting, including top sport. So it's another team that we're going to get juicy odds if you want to back them to make the grand final. I think you can get up to $8 on Parramatta to make the grand final and up to $4 on Parramatta to make the top four again. And I have them in the top four. So I'm a believer again. I've got them third, despite the fact they are the seventh favorites in markets. And I'm going to give another tip, which again, you've got to stay tuned because it's not up yet. But Toppy's going to give us a market, Parramatta or North Queensland, to make the grand final at $4. Now, that's two teams that both made the four last year, that both made a prelim, that I've got in the four again. And the reason we're getting really juicy odds, because you can find Cowboys alone at five fifty is because Toppy doesn't believe in them. And again, Tristan's going to touch on why. But um, I'm sure a few other people watching this probably disagree with me, but I am going to predict Parramatta stays strong this year and um, and backs it up. Whether they go one step further, I'm not certain, but I do have them third on the ladder. The interesting thing about that bet is not only were the Eels a side that made the grand final last year, as you touched on earlier, it was actually them and Cowboys playing in the prelim to get to that grand final. That's right. Um, so very interesting and a close game, that that controversial pass. Who knows what could have been. We move on to a side that a lot of people would be surprised wasn't in the top four last year. We're going to talk about the Melbourne Storm. Uh, and they've lost a, a lot of key players, guys. But their key gains are Tarek Sims, Eliasa Katoa, Aaron Penne returns to the club. Key losses, I've got Brandon Smith, the Bromwich brothers. I know I said I was only going to say three, but I cheated there. And uh, Felice Carfusi, all headed to the Dolphins. Now, I'll start with that, the losses here, because it feels like there's a little bit of lack of depth within that forward pack. And with Christian Welch returning from an ACL injury, he will have to step up and maybe play bigger minutes than they would have liked, particularly with someone of his caliber returning from such a serious injury. Who brings the energy from the bench? That's my next question. Now, I know Brandon Smith did start at lock a lot last year, uh, but we just know when he comes from the bench, he brings that explosiveness and that energy. And the reason why I ask that question is, if the Melbourne Storm are stuck in a battle with another elite side and you're waiting for that game breaker, well, it can't be a Brandon Smith anymore. And that's someone that has really broken a lot of games open for them in the last few years. With that being said, Jacob, when the Melbourne Storm were at their best, they always had a big three. Now, I look at their current roster, and in the modern game, comparing to all of the current players, I think they've got a big four in their spine. I think you can genuinely argue that every single one of their spine players is top three in their position. And so when the Melbourne Storm have been at their best, they've always had a big three. And this year, they've got a big four. I am backing players to come in around those that big four, not overplay their hand, do the job they need, and the big four to do it from there in their spine. So I've got the Melbourne Storm finishing third. And I, love, I know a lot of people will probably not agree with that. A lot of people do have them dropping down this year from the experience they've lost. But I've just learned, Jacob, you just you can't count out Craig Bellamy in the Melbourne Storm. I've done it in the past. I'm not going to do it again. I've got him at third. How are you seeing them this year? The market agrees with you. They're the third favourite. So they came fifth last year and then they flamed out in the finals which was really disappointing for them. And that's just the bar that the Storm set for themselves because a lot of teams would be happy with coming fifth and making the finals. Um, and you've got to remember as well, that was after losing their electric fullback, Pappenhausen, midway through the year. They still expect better from themselves. Now, the latest reports on Pappenhausen are that he could still be a while away from that serious kneecap injury. So that means it could still be a couple of months 
before we see the big four that you reference, Pappy, Munster, Hughes, Grant, all together again. When they are together, it's the best spine in the NRL for me. I'd be interested if anyone else is going to um, pose anyone else to rival that. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, guys. Appreciate the comments are coming through. Um, but the forward pack does lose a lot of experience, as you said. However, Christian Welsh is kind of like a new recruit in the sense that he had a whole year off. He's back from injury and he's a rep level prop. And then are we going to be surprised if Tarek Sims is rejuvenated or if they get the best out of Eli Katoa, King, Kamakamitha? You know what Bellamy does. Um, the one guy they won't replace is Brandon Smith. They won't miss him so much as a hooker, but I think they'll miss him as a loose forward. And I hate to say this, but I'll be watching Munster very closely because now he's not in a contract yet. Everyone was talking about how fit he was and how great he looked last year. Well, he had all that bargaining power and he was negotiating the contract of a lifetime last year. I know, is he going to get better? It's kind of hard to say. Even if he's his usual self, he's, a, he's one of my favourite players. Um, the Storm don't do rebuilds, so I hesitate to say this is any form of a rebuild year, but I again could see a slow start with no Pappenhausen um, coming back. And or no Pappenhausen early in the season. And I just want to make a point as well. Another guy we haven't mentioned, uh, Jack Howarth, the, the schoolboy phenomenon. That's He's on a five-year deal for $2.5 million. Signed that before he played first grade. But I actually think that's a really good example of where the Storm are losing their edge and their advantage they used to have over the, the rest of the NRL because other teams have cottoned on to looking at the Storm's pathways, looking at the Storm's recruits, and looking at the Storm's backups. Now, I'm going to name some players here. Munster, Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, Drinkwater, Pappenhausen, Hughes. What do they all have in common? They all began their careers as backups to the original big three in Melbourne. And now the other clubs have realised that Storm's backups and Storm's juniors or Storm's young players could be the next stars. And what that means is Storm are going to either lose some of their key young guns or going to have to pay top dollar. Like when in the last 20 years would the Storm have given 500 grand to a 17-year-old that had never played, but they had to because they had high wraps on him. But obviously it's a salary cap league. You don't have as much to spend elsewhere. So that's where I'm maybe seeing a tough year for the Storm, and I have them all the way down at seventh because of that. Seventh. Wow, that, that is an interesting take. We're, we're seeing the Storm a little bit differently. That's really interesting. And I think they probably will be one of the most debated sides this year. Another one for the Storm, Joe Chan, a young back role from uh, Catalans in the Super League. I think they've brought him over with high expectations like how if we move on to the Sydney Roosters, guys, the sixth place side from last year. Key gains, Brandon Smith, Jackson Barlow, Corey Allen. Key losses, I've gone with Sam Barrels and Suosuia Takiaho. The first thing when we talk about the Roosters we need to touch on is the injuries they had last year and in the last few years in particular. They have been hammered with injuries. And last year, it just felt like they couldn't get a consistent number nine. They played Drew Hutchinson there at times, not an out-and-out hooker. They played Connor Watson, again, not a noted hooker. These are versatile players. With The, the last time the Roosters had a very consistent number nine that defense hard and plays well, it was Jake Friend. And I, I, I probably think where Brendan Smith is in his career at the moment is probably a little bit better than Jake Friend. A lot of that Roosters side is still pretty similar to how it was when Friendy was there. And so I do think the Roosters will improve a lot this year. I think the Roosters will remind everyone just how good they are. If they stay healthy, there's no doubt for me. Brandon Smith, I think he'll contend for hooker of the year again. The last time he was there for a full season, he was the hooker of the year. All of their young guns, this is another great point, I believe. All of their young guns have NRL experience now. No one's going to come in and be overawed by the experience because when those all those injuries occurred, 
They all got the experience under their belt. So my question is, Winnie, are people forgetting just how good the Roosters are? Because I'm predicting they finish first. How are you seeing the Roosters? I don't think people are forgetting that because they are second favourites in the market. Yeah. Um, I tipped them to win the comp last year. Like, you know, the year before 2021, I did tip Penrith. I didn't, you know, I doubted whether they'd go back to back. So I went Roosters last year. And, of course, Penrith were head and shoulders above the competition, so they were the only right answer last year. But my personal opinion, of the other 15 teams in the competition, the Roosters at their best were the closest of any team to Penrith. So I think the Roosters at their very best, you know, were a better side than Parramatta who made the grand final. The problem for the Roosters were was they were chasing their tail all season. They lost early games, winnable games to Knights, Bulldogs, Dragons come to mind. And what it meant was they were chasing the rest of the season. They never could freshen up. They could never rest their key players. And, you know, we saw that Joey Manu tore his calf in a round 25 game. It was kind of like a dead rubber, but they couldn't risk not playing their starters in that one. And, and it just came back to bite them. And even then in the finals, they met a South team that, look, the South Sydney Rabbitohs last year were not your typical seventh place side. They were a really gun seventh. And that was a wild game on a Sunday with all these sin bins. It could have gone either way, if people recall as well. Um, so I really think, funnily enough, last year when Roosters played the Rabbitohs in 6-7, they were both better teams than Sharks and Cowboys in the 2-3. It's just they didn't have as good regular seasons. And a little bit of that is injuries. But now I kind of see the same team plus Brandon Smith. I mean, who's going to drop off? Who's not going to be as good? I mean, you might argue Warrior Hargraves. Teddy might not be at his absolute apex, but I feel like he's still at the back end of his prime. If you're trying to pick holes in the Roosters, you might say, well, Kiri's one knock away from missing extended period, but they've got cover for him too. You know that Manu could slot to six. Um, and then Swali'i's only going to go to another level, as is Victor Radley, I believe. And you've got another year of development for Sam Walker. Robinson as good as any coach in the competition. So I have a minor premiers. There you go. So we're seeing the Roosters the exact same there. Both got them in first. That is awesome. Let's move on to the seventh place side from last year, their arch rival, the Rabbitohs. No key signings for the Rabbitohs, guys. They have signed one young, young fella from Queensland Cup whose name escaped me, and they promoted a few of their juniors, but no real key signings there. A few key losses, nothing too major. Mark Nichols, Jackson Barlow, and Cody Nikarima are out the door. My biggest question mark over the Rabbitohs this year is Lachlan Ilias. He moves into his second full year of NRL, and he will have some more consistency around him this year, assuming Latrell Mitchell is able to stay healthy. But the question is, will he succumb to second-year syndrome and his form drop off, or will it be the opposite? Will he go to another level with a rookie year of experience under his belt? You can ask the same question about Jason Demetrio in his second year of coaching. And I say that, guys, because everything looks good for JD right now. There's no chinks in the armor as a coach as far as we can see. But another South Sydney Rabbitoh coach called Anthony Seabold had a disastrous second year in the NRL. So we just never know. The biggest question mark for the Rabbitohs for me will always remain the Troll Mitchell. If he is healthy all season, and as you alluded to, Winnie, we saw they weren't your typical seventh place team. The reason they were there was because they were without the Troll. And as soon as he come back, they looked a top four side. They looked every bit a top four side. So can the Troll stay healthy all year? There's a few question marks for me there. Uh, I've got them finishing sixth. I think they are more than capable of finishing top four. But because I've got those question marks, I'm going to err on the side of caution and put them a little bit lower in sixth. How are you seeing the Bunnies? Let's also remember that they gave Penrith an almighty scare in the prelim. They had them 
12-0. I won't say on the rack, but they had him sweating before giving up a, you know, a couple of tries, including a gift at halftime, and then that settled the nerves for Penrith. It was 12-all, and Penrith, Penrith then scored, I think, the next 60 straight points, if you count second half of the prelim and then the grand final against Para. Sorry to go there again for Para fans. Um, so we know what the Rabbitohs are capable of. Uh, you're right. Like, Latrell's in his absolute prime. If he gets through a full season, you know, as is Cam Murray, uh, their, their captain. My question, Mark, I've got development of Ilias as well, but what about uh, Cody Walker and Damian Cook? Like, are they on the decline? I think it'd be fair to say they're not at their peak anymore, but how close to their best are they? Because to win the comp, I feel like they need, like, like Walker's best season, close to his best season, Cook to regather, close to his best form. I feel like now he's no longer going to be, the you know, in the Blues fold. You've got um, some other nice pieces to build a team around, you know, Campbell Graham in the centre. Speaking of rep opportunities, he could very well be there. He's come off a Kangaroos tour. Colombo Matangi, another guy, could be in the rep mix as well. So they've got the pieces. Um, yeah, they, those key positions are the question marks for me. So I'll be looking closely at um, your six, seven, and nine. That's going to determine the ceiling of that side. But in saying all that, um, they're the sixth favourite for the competition. I do have them fifth on my ladder. And I will shout out The Undertaker, who's watching now, who shares tips in the tripod group. He shared a value play today on the Rabbitohs, and he liked them for the season handicap, which I might touch on a little bit later where they try and level out the field with everyone getting a certain number of points start. And so Maddie thinks the Rabbitohs can go as well above expectations as any team in the competition. Awesome. And, I mean, as Dan said there with the Facebook comment, they have put a lot of dollars into those big three. And as you said, they're not getting any younger. So not only is this an important year for the Rabbitohs, arguably a make or break for the next sort of period in their club. We move on to the last side who played finals last year, guys, that being the Canberra Raiders. Key gains, Danny Levi. Uh, key losses, though, Josh Hodgson, Adam Elliott. And I've gone with Chance Nickel-Klugstar, uh, even though he wasn't really playing for them too much last year. So a few losses to their forward pack there, um, in particular Adam Elliott. I thought he was really, really good last year. The positive for the Raiders will be Jamal Fogarty. He was out for a lot to start last year, and they did look much improved when he came back. A question mark I have is, can Joseph Tarpany repeat his form from last year? Now, he did come out today and say that he and Josh Papali'i are going to stay off the drink, as he thought that had great effects on his game last year. But I do feel like, although it's not common to say this with a prop forward, I do feel like sides will start to lock down Joseph Tarpany and look at ways they can limit his impact just because he was so successful for the Raiders and to what they were doing last year. I've got a few question marks around him, uh, but I just really can't see the Raiders going to that next level. Uh, they just scraped into the finals last year. Um, they did they did beat the Melbourne Storm at home, which was quite impressive. Um, but I, I, I just, I'm not feeling it with the Raiders this year. I don't have too many strong reasons why, but I've got them finishing 11th. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't think the Raiders will play finals again this year. How are you seeing the Raiders? Very similar to you, mate. Although they are the eighth favourite, I don't have them in the finals. I think they did remarkably well last year. You mentioned that they didn't have Fogarty first two-thirds of the season, and they dealt with halfback issues for a couple of years. George Williams was disgruntled. He left. They bring in Fogarty, gets hurt. Final preseason game. When he did come, you're right. They, they showed a lot for Raiders fans to be optimistic about down the stretch. But the other one... If you've got the news, you let people know. Um, Xavier Savage broke his jaw in the preseason. I couldn't re recall or find quickly um, at my fingertips how many weeks that type of injury is because that's not ideal, as you mentioned, 
Nickel Klukstad's out the door. And that, and even when Savage comes back, he's unproven and he's very young and very raw. And that's exactly what you can say about their starting hooker in Wolford. The rest of the core is stable. Everyone in the NRL would love to have Jack Whiten. Hudson, young is a great talent. Those props you mentioned, um, Tapanay, uh, Josh Papali, it's like, again, how much have they got left in the tank? Because they've been workhorses for a long time. So I, I definitely had it very close when I kind of had my teams in tears. I have them fringe eight, but when push came to shove, I shuffled them down a little bit, as I said, and uh, had them all the way down at 11. Let us know if you guys strongly disagree with that one. Yeah, and as you touched on, Xavier Savage, about four to six weeks with that fractured jaw, which means Jordan Rapiner shifts to fullback. That is our top eight from last year, Winnie. So should we move into the market watch? Let's do it, mate. All right, guys. So since we're giving you our punted perspective regarding our predictions, in particular Jacob there, uh, who better to provide the market intelligence from the bookie side than the CEO of our show's sponsor, Top Sport? So let's listen to Tristan with Market Watch. G'day everyone, Tristan from Top Sport here and we're back for another big season of NRL. So excited to have it only a week or so away now. So it's going to be an absolute cracking season. I get the feeling that um, a lot of the teams down the lower end of the table have, have improved a little bit and probably a few of the teams up the top have just lost a couple of players and maybe slightly regressed. So hopefully that should mean that we've got a, an even comp this year. Obviously the Dolphins coming in is going to add another layer of, of things. It's, you know, everyone is expecting them to to struggle in this first season. But uh, as we know that Wayne Bennett Magic and, and obviously a new team in the comp will certainly inspire them, particularly early in the season, how they go when they cop a few injuries might be the interesting factor. But uh, just having a look at a few of our markets, um, the, the big movers of the off season so far have easily been the Sydney Roosters. They've been very, very well backed to win the comp. $7 into $5. Uh, the biggest single bet was $5,007, then another bet at $3,006. So they've been the biggest firm as early. Uh, the other team that has just shortened up in the last couple of weeks is Manly, actually, $26 into 21. They were obviously impressive against the Roosters in that last trial. And also the Bulldogs, $26 into 21 as well. A couple of bets of 1500 on each of those teams. Uh, Penrith's been very solid. They, they've been 375 out to $4, so they have drifted, but uh, we're 375 out to $4, so they have drifted, but uh, we have laid a number of bets on them. They've easily been the team that have taken the most amount of bets um, over the course of the off-season, despite that little drift. Um, and then just having a look at the, uh, the, the at the other end of the table, the least wins, obviously, the Dolphins there, are very firm favourites there, at $2.80 in from $3.20, and they are our worst way at the moment. Just probably with a little bit of a tricky off-season for the Dragons, they've firmed from seven fifty into $5 for that market. Um, we've, we've got our, uh, our season multi, which Jacob will elaborate on shortly, so make sure you get involved in that. We're also going to have the custom multis where you guys can submit your, your requests through and we'll price up as many of those as possible. So looking forward to that. From our, our perspective, we're, we're looking to take on a, a couple of teams throughout this season. Uh, probably in the early phases, we think the Cowboys and the Eels are maybe a touch unders. Um, you know, the Cowboys had a fantastic year last year. They were blessed with the injuries and you know maybe they overachieved. So we're probably expecting them just to regress a little bit and obviously the Eels have lost a number of key players. So despite them making the grand final, we certainly think they'll struggle to back that up and you know they're going to be borderline top eight in, in, in my view. A couple of teams that we're thinking might improve down the bottom end of the table are the Tigers. I think there's been a lot spoken about them. Their forward pack looks great. And then obviously a little bit of bias here, the uh, the, the Titans, but um, you know, I, I think the key signings of, of Foran and Beryl's 
are going to be massive for them and they're both around that sort of $375, $4 mark to make the eight. We sort of think that both of them are a, a chance to sneak in there if things go their way early in the season. So can't wait for footy to be back. And uh, as always, if you're having a punt, make sure you do it responsibly. Five grand on the Roosters to win the comp. That wasn't you, was it, Clarkie? No, it certainly wasn't me, mate. I'm keen on them, but not that keen. And Faraz asked who my team is. I will reveal that a little bit later, actually, which will be some breaking news. Some people may assume it's Brisbane. I grew up in Brisbane, but when I started the pod nine years ago, I... For, I've forsaken my loyalty to Brisbane so I could be unbiased. So over the years, pod followers will know I've tipped on Brisbane and against them many times and I'm not too fussed and I'm happy to um, chat about them right now if you want to get into the bottom eight plus one from last year. Yeah, we're about halfway, guys. Just before we jump into those bottom eight sides, obviously stay tuned, guys. We've got plenty of bets we've given tonight and plenty more coming. We've got a segment called Take on Toppy where Top Spot will offer top-of-the-market prices on selections only for our live viewers here. So if you're watching, um, you're, you're in with a, a good treat there. Uh, Toppy will also be providing us with jerseys to give away this season. Um, stay tuned to the pages on social media. We'll be looking at that some stage in the next week. If you want to join Top Sport, guys, the code for us is TP Live. So TP Live, if you want to sign up to Top Sport and take advantage of that. And uh, thank you to Top Sport for believing in us, our product and allowing us to support our families through the passion that Jacob and I both share in rugby league. Uh, but with that being said, Winnie, are we ready to move on to the bottom eight from last year? The boys from the Olympic City, let's break them down. All right, we've got the Brisbane Rock Broncos, key gains, Reese Walsh, Martin Tapau, and Jock Madden. Key losses, TMM, Tamati Martin, uh, Tessie New, and Zach Hosking. Now, when I talk Brisbane Broncos, my mind goes straight to the post-origin period of their season last year because it was absolutely disastrous. And I asked the question, now their players are a year older, they're a little bit more experienced, they know how to handle the post-origin period with people coming in and out of the side. Do they recover and, and does their season you know, stay consistent throughout? Uh, because if it does, they were a top-four side last year, right? And they looked every bit of a final side before totally crapping the bed. Um, let's be honest, there's no other way to put that. I mean, even at one stage, all they had to do was beat the the Dragons. Um, and then before that game, Selwyn Cobbo wasn't feeling up to playing and and there was rumblings of this and that, and it just kind of fell apart completely. So I am going to think, I'm going to put forward, guys, that the Broncos will correct that. I, I saw enough from last year where I'm comfortable tipping them in the top eight, but only just uh, because I still do have those question marks. So... I have gone ahead and put the Brisbane Broncos at eight this year. How are you seeing them? Were you similar to that or you got them a bit different? No, I think you make a great point. Like they they were a top eight team. In fact, all the way through the season till the final day of the season, they fell away really badly in that final month of 2022. And so when you try and figure out kind of why, you know, I think back to Kevy comes in, he lifts the energy, he lifts the standards, he reinstalls that pride in the jersey. The fans get excited. In fact, you made a great point there. They were top four caliber side. They started the year really strongly and everyone had mentioned that they'd had a really tough preseason and clearly they reaped the rewards of that because they came out early, they upset some sides and they were one of the other fittest sides in the comp and they just clearly couldn't carry that through and they burnt out by the end of the year. I feel like when you when you do work your team really hard in the preseason, you know, there's only so much kind of, that you can squeeze out of them, and this team just fell away badly, whereas 
that is why we do see the true contenders try and pace themselves a bit more slowly. So Brisbane wasn't in a position to do that because Brisbane, let's be honest, was a bit of a mess. Uh, we're going to talk about the guy that uh, used to coach them. And so I think Kevy kind of did the right thing. Um, there were other reasons too. Reynolds injury, Carrigan injury, suspension. They missed Farnworth. Stags was playing the whole year with a bum shoulder. So if you write all those things and then Isra Mam another year, he should be better. Um, the forward pack's generally young. Of course, there's all this controversy and there's statements coming out and you can say some of the players have embarrassed the club or immature, ill-disciplined. But I just have to wonder, what if some of those comments about Kevin Walters being a great bloke but not such a great coach, like what if they're true? That's my concern is that Kevin might be that bloke that comes in, he can motivate, he can get players playing with energy. But can he ever kind of get him over the hump? Can you win a premiership with Kevy? Um, and that's where the jury's still out for me. But there's enough there in this squad, um, based on what I saw last year, and the addition of Reese Walsh, which I think is going to be massive because I actually feel like fullback was not a position of strength for Brisbane last year. So I had him in the finals. I've got him as my eighth-place team. And it's a great question, Mark, around Kevin Walters too because it didn't just come from one player. It come from two with Tyson Gamble, who's now moved on. And particularly what you said around sort of the strategy of the game, Tyson Gamble openly said, we go to Adam Reynolds for that. We don't go to the coach, which was a little bit strange. Moving on to a side who just missed the finals last year, Dragons. I say just missed because if they had the same points and four and against the year before, they would have actually played finals. So it wasn't as bad a season from the Dragons as people think. Key gains, Jacob Liddell, Ben Murdoch, Masilla, Zane Musgrove. They do lose Tarek Sims and Andrew McCulloch to retirement. And I say it wasn't a bad year for the Dragons last year, but Dragons fans are going to hate me. I think it's going to be a horrible year for them this year. I don't like where this team is at on the field. I don't like where they're at off the field. Even to the point where, you know, you don't want to read into blokes having beers and having a push and shove too much. I feel like most blokes have been there with their mates, but drinking till 6am after a trial you lost, maybe not the best move in preseason. And then, of course, when we talk about culture at a club, the coach is generally the one that, you know, influences that the most. And I've got question marks over whether Anthony Griffin is the man to continue taking this Dragons side forward. They could come out and shock me completely this year. And I will say, Dragons fans, don't feel written off yet because I had the Cowboys winning the spoon last year. And I was completely off the mark there. But I think we will see Anthony Griffin sacked throughout this year, unfortunately. And I do think, and Dragons fans will hate me even more for this, so I do say, I do, I do apologize, Dragons fans. I do think Ben Hunt's form will regress. He's got that big contract now, he's got it sorted. And he was pretty inconsistent for years leading up to last year, which was an off-contract year for him. I think we could see Ben Hunt fall into a, a bit of old habits there. I've got the Dragons finishing 17th. Again, I'm sorry, Dragons fans. And um, before they hate me too much, I'm going to hand it straight over to you, Winnie. How are you seeing them? Well, let me cheer up the Dragons fans because congratulations. You technically are top of the ladder with a round one bye. You're guaranteed to be on two points when as soon as a ball is kicked for round one. So that's the positive. Um, I've also never been a believer in Griffin ever since he was appointed, to be honest, going back to even what he did at Brisbane. And I agree that he's definitely under pressure. And that could be why Ben Hunt regresses. It could be no fault of his own, but he could just be under too much pressure carrying this team every week. I see a bit of potential in this side, kind of one to seven at least, like your halves and your back line. You know, 
Sloan, they haven't given him enough time to develop, but he will now due to the unfortunate circumstances around Cody Ramsey. You know, Sully and Lomax, that's not a bad centre pairing. I like Bud Sullivan. And Hunt is still a gun seven. We'll see how he goes. But, yeah, the pack underwhelms me. Just players that haven't found their best form under Griffin, Jack Bird, DeBellin, Sua. I mean, Little at nine, not a strength. They look slow in the charity shield. Um, the favorable, They do have a favourable early draw. I, I'd like to look at who a team starts the season with because I feel like you can build on results, whereas I feel like if you're up against it early, then it can just um, things can go from bad to worse. And obviously, um, yeah, as I said, round one bye. But round one bye doesn't help you once you're a few months into the season. It's actually the worst time to have the bye because yeah. you're not getting that rest. So it, it all catches up to the Dragons at about round eight, I think it is, um, around Anzac Day when they play the Roosters. It starts to get a bit tougher. And I think they might slide. I You had them 17th. I got them higher than that, but only one spot higher. I had them 16th. And I should say the market also has them as the 16th ranked team. So they're not expecting much from the Dragons either. Someone asked me a question about the Dragons on my page the other day. I'm going to put you on the spot here as well. The question they posed to me was, how many of the Dragons' current 13 walk into any other side and start? I could only think of Ben Hunt, maybe Zach Lomax. Can you see anyone else there that really other teams would be nipping at the bit to get? Yeah, I, I can't think of a single forward that really kind of walks into other sides. Um, so I think I think you nailed it there with Hunt and maybe Lomax, you know, maybe Moses Sully um, or a team that doesn't have a talented fullback might be interested in Sloan, but you're right. Um, it's, yeah, for a, supposedly a club that had great development and a great nursery, um, I don't know, we're not seeing really a lot coming through. They were supposed to be like the baby Penrith Panthers out there, but it just hasn't developed. And I think it is time for a change. Um, as Matty Blanche comments, I know he's a long-suffering Dragons fan. Be interested to know the thoughts of the faithful um, Red V, but um, we're not optimistic. So they've got a chance to prove us wrong. Uh, let's move on before Dragons fans uh, block us on everything. The next side we're going to look at is the Manly Seagulls. Key games, I've gone with Kelma Tuolangi. Key losses, Dylan Walker, Kieran Foran, and Martin Tapao. The biggest question mark when we talk about the Seagulls has to be Anthony Seabold. He's back, guys. He's an NRL coach again. And we saw at the Broncos, he has an extremely structured game plan. Does that structured game plan suit anyone else in their spine but Daly Cherry Evans? I don't think so. I think Lachlan Croker, Turbo, and Schuster are going to want to play creative. And we saw at the Broncos, Seabold doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to take the fifth tackle in an exact spot on the field and kick exactly to the other corner and very, very specifics. DCE will be able to implement it, but I don't think it will suit uh, their whole side there. I've got huge concerns over their forward pack depth. I, I feel like they're an injury or two away from really, really, really struggling there. Originally, I had them much lower, and I feel like I've only said negative so far for the, for the Manly Seagulls. I think originally I had them as low as 14th. After their trials, the question marks I just pose, although it's trials, I feel like they started to answer a few of them. And so I'm going to put them at ninth. I cannot see Manly Seagulls playing finals. I think it's a little bit bold, me putting them at ninth personally. Uh, but yeah, I had them at 14th at first. They showed me in the trials. I think they're a little bit better than that. But I don't think this side is quite up to finals, particularly because I think that structure that Seabold wants to build might take more than a, a full season for the entire 17 to be able to successfully implement it. How are you seeing the Seagulls this year? Similar to yourself, mate, uh, the market has them 11th. For me, I'm really interested to see how Josh Schuster goes 
at 5'8", because the more I've seen him play, I feel like he's really suited to being a ball-playing back rower, but he has wanted this opportunity. They've moved on uh, foreign, and in saying that, the news is out that Schuster's not going to be um, fit for round one, so the first opportunity will actually go to Cooper Johns. Um, but in any case, the 5'8 job on this team gets a lot easier if the man that's sweeping around behind him is at his tormenting best. And so you talk about injuries can change their season. It did last year. Tommy Turbo, once they missed him, you know, it was season over. And I think unless you hate Manly, which I guess a lot of people do, we all want to see Tom Trebojevic, you know, fit and firing and somewhere near that form of 2021. And in that case, if he's 2021 form, then they're a top eight side. But you just can't bet on that, I don't think, um, on his health. Um, you know, DCE still probably got a bit to offer, but obviously on the back nine, maybe say the same about uh, Tom's brother, Jake. I love Olukwatu. Um, and and I also am really curious to see the Seabold era because, look, let's be blunt, Brisbane paid him reportedly over a million dollars to stop coaching them and Manly thinks he's their solution. And I know there's some comments coming through that they won the preseason challenge, so congratulations to Manly fans. But um, I'm going to need to see it for a few true NRL games before I'm personally convinced. And I said I see him similar to you, Clarky, in that I see him on the fringe and just outside the eight. But in actual fact, I had him quite low. I had him uh, all the way down at 13. Dare I say, for the Manly Seagulls, if you're going to make a new jersey, as Matt O'Keefe is saying there, consult your players first because that was a pretty bad turning point for their season. Also, the Doggies. I feel like this is a side that's recruited as well as anyone. Reid Marnie, Philly Army Kickout, Brian Sutton make up their key gains, but of course there's many more there, guys. Key losses, Aaron Schott, Paul Vaughan, Jeremy Marshall King are out the door. Awesome recruitment, guys. The players are awesome, awesome signings. Not going to undersell that at all. But I am going to say it's not their best signing because their best signing is Cameron Seraldo. This is an assistant coach, Winnie, who continually turned down offers whilst he was at the Panthers. He waited for the right team, just like Craig Fitzgibbon did at the Roosters when he was an assistant coach there. Look at what he's done with the Sharks. I feel like the best assistant coaches are able to sit back a little bit behind the head coaches and assess what will work for me, what do I really want. And the fact that Cameron Serrato has gone at this with the Panthers I think that shows a lot that he thinks the bull, uh, sorry with the Bulldogs from the Panthers. I think that shows a lot. I think it shows that he likes what he sees there. I do have question marks over their leadership. Their captain situation is a little bit weird for me. Um, Raymond Faitala Mariner, the normal captain, but Marnie and Burton, the game day co-captains. I'm not sure I've ever really seen something like that before. I mean, we've seen the Tigers with five captains, uh, equally as strange. I think the Bulldogs are set up for the future, Winnie. I really think they do with the signings they've got with Serrato in charge, but I don't think they'll turn it around far enough to play finals this year. So I have them finishing 10th in that range where they could play finals, but I think they'll be on the fringe of it. How are you seeing the Doggies in 2023? Something's definitely building at Belmore. They are the 10th favourite going into this year. You could call it year one because it's year one of the Serrato era, but it's kind of year two of the Gus era. So you already unveiled the first crop of star recruits. Ado Carl is in the building. Um, Matt Burton was great last year in a, in, a, in a leading role in the halves. Kiraz unearthed. Now we know about who they've got this year, as you mentioned. And then next year, um, Crichton, and they may have more signings to come. But we've got to assess how good they're going to go this season. And, um, look, I feel like there was hype around the Dogs 12 months ago and I wasn't buying it at all. And I said a year ago, they're still two years away. They're not going to be anywhere near it this year. And 
they were pretty far off the pace last year. They got a bit better once they actually got rid of Trent Barrett. And I think Serralo is going to go well for sure. Um, he's the most highly touted coach that has come onto the market and he's handpicked this team for a reason. I'm a big fan of um, Matty Burton. I think he's an absolute stud and you've added two more weapons. So the excitement is real. Um, but I still feel like there's three key positions that they have not got their long-term future decided yet, and that's fullback, halfback, and lock. So what decisions are they going to make around that? Is it Cole Flanagan? Where do you fit Avarillo? Um, is Hayes Perham going to be the best choice at fullback? Is Sutton good enough to hold down 13, or do you play Fangai Jr. or Farmanu Brown? Um, it's a team I want to watch closely. certainly think they're top eight potential. I had them super close. Like For me, it was... Who do I put in that last spot, Brisbane or the Bulldogs? And I just went with the Bronx, so therefore I've got the Doggies at nine. Seems like we're seeing the Doggies pretty similar there. Uh, this is a team that it will be very hard for me to do unbiased, guys. We move on to my Gold Coast Titans. Um, I've got the key gains as Kieran Foran, Sam Verrills and Aaron Shop. Key losses, Greg Marzu and uh, Jared Wallace and Herman SASA there. I will say for the Titans, I believe our signings far outweigh our loss, our losses. And I do feel like this is our best roster that we've had in a while. I think it's a quite even roster. You know, we've got a stronger spine. Our forward pack's still strong. We've got some nice depth in the outside backs. As I did say, it is so tough for me to comment here without being biased, guys. My heart absolutely says we've got the roster to play finals like we did um, not last year, the year before. I think we could honestly surprise a lot of people. But then my head says it's probably more likely we won't. The Titans are often a disappointing side. I've got us finishing in 13th, Winnie. Am I being too generous or are you going to make my night? Oh, that's pretty similar to where I have them. I'm sorry to tell you. Tristan's optimistic, but then again, top sport are the partners of, uh, yeah. of the Titans. Look, 2022 was so disappointing. They tasted finals footy in 2021. Don't forget they should have won that finals game against the Roosters if Herbert had a pass in him. Uh, and it was a young squad, so you think, well, if a young squad made the finals 2021, you should improve. In fact, a lot of people had the Titans as their dark horse. Now, admittedly, was that because there were those Cameron Smith rumours that might have been fueling that and that never eventuated? Um, but rather than taking the next step, they took two steps back. They were so underwhelming. Holbrook is under a lot of pressure, I think, and I think that's fair because I actually think your team has a bit fair bit of talent, a decent amount of talent, and they underperformed last year. And I know they've brought Foran in for experience and leadership, and that's fair enough, but I don't see him solving their problems, and I'm not even sure what position he should play that suits the team the best because Brimson's one of their best players, so obviously he's got to be out there. I'm hearing he's going to be fullback, but then what, you're not going to play Jaden Campbell, who needs to keep developing, and the upside of this side really has to be the fullback. You let Fogarty leave to promote Sexton, but now Sexton's not your first choice halfback, you're going Tanner Boyd. I do think Verrills could be a really positive improvement uh, at hooker there. Uh, and, in fact, that could be a really underrated signing. So that's an improvement. And the forward pack's still pretty talented and pretty young. So there's improvement potentially in there. All eyes are going to be on Tino, who seems to nearly have to do it all every week. And for Fida, who gets paid as if he does it all, but was not always consistent. So those guys are going to have to – well, I think the guys around them, you know, your Foto Acres and your um, other other young fellas in the in the forward pack are going to need to elevate their game to make this overall a more competitive side. They came 12th last year, and I've actually got them no better. In fact, 14th in 2023. 
Seems like we're seeing him pretty similar there. And and, and the thing that you raised there with Jaden Campbell, I don't really think he suits the 14. He's not really big enough to play in the middle. He has to go to fullback. Then you're rearranging your spine mid-game. Um, so, yeah, some question marks there for the Titans. Moving on to the next side, guys, we've got the Newcastle Knights. Their key gains are Lachlan Miller, Adam Elliott, and Jackson Hastings, though they do lose Mitch Barnett, David Clemmer, and Anthony Milford. My first question for the Knights, is Adam O'Brien up to standard as an NRL coach? Because there's signs that he is in some instances, and then there's others where he's really not. And I do feel like he's feeling the pressure here. I think he's really feeling the pressure, actually, because... As you, as we spoke about uh, earlier this year, he, you know he seemed like he was really going hard at trials. Kalen Ponga moving to six—that's a big risk because the last coach that didn't didn't keep him there for longer than was it six weeks before he moved him back to fullback. We know he's an elite fullback. We don't know he's an elite number six. He has concussion issues. He'll now be expected to defend a lot more. And in that trial game, I did see a lot of poor defense from KP out there on the edge. Really nice signings, but the two question marks, uh, AOB, Adam O'Brien, and KP, are too much for me. And so I've got them finishing 14th. You seeing the night similar to that? Well, I will say that there's not many seats hotter than the one underneath Adam O'Brien, for sure. And if again, if you're a tripod follower, you know I've not been a big fan of him over the last couple of years. So the start of the season is very vital for this squad. And what's in their favour, they are another team that does have a pretty friendly draw. Like, I think they open the season at New Zealand. Like, that's never an easy road trip. But if they were to get a result there, they'd come home with some confidence. They've got quite a few winnable games in the first couple of months. And I know that they're going to put an emphasis on those games because it's in the coach's interest. Because if they don't get results in the first couple of months, he will no longer be the coach. I also think Hastings is a quality recruit. I really admired the way that he played for Wes. And, I look, I, I agree with everyone else. I think most people's consensus is that Pong is a better fullback and they're questioning the move. But the thing is, when you have a gaping hole at six, I think Pong is going to do just fine at six and he can be a really electric six. And you've actually been able to find a capable player in Miller that you can fill in at fullback. Overall, you have upgraded your key positions now, one, six, seven, albeit they're all kind of new, either new to the club or new position. But I've always rated Jaden Braley, and we've got to remember him as well, injured in preseason last year, so we didn't get to see a lot from him. So he could actually be one of the best hookers in the competition. I think the outside backs and the forwards are both solid, I'll put it that way. I think they've got a strong home ground advantage and a home crowd that deserves a team that will play and uh, make them proud. And if this team gets a bit of pride, finds confidence in wins, because they've been kind of downtrodden the last couple of years, I actually am not ruling them out of the top eight. I have them 10th, and so I have the Knights on the rise. I think they're a, um, they've got a – they could be bipolar. I think um, there's a range of outcomes. They could crash and burn, but I actually can foresee a possibility of this side being frisky and, uh, and not being a joke at all and Adam O'Brien uh, hanging on to his job for another season. And the interesting thing is I actually did agree with you at first with the Knights there. I had him at night for my initial ladder prediction. BKR Sport, we saw a comment from him pop up on the screen there. He talked me out of it in conjunction with their trial form, and I've really gone off them since that. We'll move on to the New Zealand Warriors, who've got a few nice key gains in. Chance Nickel, Klukstar, Tamedi Martin, and Murata Niakore. They do lose Reese Walsh, Ben Murdoch, Masilla, and Chanel Harris-Tavita. Areas for the Warriors to discuss. Big roster changes, I think probably for the better. I do think this Warriors side will be stronger than they were in previous years. 
The only area where I really feel like they're being held back is with Sean Johnson. Every year, I feel like we come into the season, oh, will Sean Johnson recapture his best form? Will SJ, uh, you know, what sort of forms? It's always the question. And I just feel like the form that SJ was in in 2011, whatever it might have been, we're never going to see that again because he's had so many injuries since then. He's older. He doesn't have the same explosiveness, the same step and the same running game. He's almost holding them back because they do have great young halves there in Luke Metcalf and Ronald Volkman, who are going to continue to be out of this side for as long as Sean Johnson is there on a rather large contract. New coach in Andrew Webster, Winnie. I'm not sure how good that is. Um, he wasn't as preferred as Cameron Serraldo. All we heard last year, this team interested in Serraldo, that team interested in Serraldo, but we didn't hear too much about Andrew Webster. Um, back in New Zealand, is that a factor? The fact they won't be stuck in Australia, they'll be home with their families. Too many questions for me, Winnie. I've just thrown out 50 different questions to you. For that reason, I've got him at 16th. I can't go any higher with that many question marks. How are you seeing the Warriors this year? They are the 14th favoured side. And you're right, so Webster unknown. A lot of new faces for him to work with. But when I look at the roster, what concerns me is I just don't see enough star power among any of the recruits. Like, who's coming in to really lift this team? I think the Ford pack is overall strong. And I think Josh Curran is a great lock that's talented, probably underrated. You know, can Mitch Barnett revive his career and do something for this team? Harris uh, and, and AFB, what have they got left in the tank? The Sean Johnson question, of course, that's important. He's pivotal. I'm actually going to predict that he has a good year. I think he might be revitalised by playing in front of the Mount Smart faithful. Um, it depends how he gets backed up by other key position players, like Tamari Martin, how's he going to go? And Metcalf at 5'8", there's a question mark for me as well. I think being at home absolutely is a factor and a really positive one. Not only does that crowd fuel some wins, I believe, um, and inspire the side and, you know, can even sway a decision and intimidate an opponent sometimes when it's rocking. But now you're living with your families, you're not displaced, you're not, you know, disrupted um, by having to kind of live out of a camp. So I think the, the league is better when the Warriors are doing well. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why they can do better this season. Unfortunately, the roster for me, I think, needs a bit of work. I just don't see game breakers there's, there's no way I can really say that that this side can be in the top eight. So there's a fair few I've got above them. Uh, I said they're the 14th ranked side by the bookies and they're the 15th ranked side by me. I will certainly say I hope I'm wrong for the Warriors. I admire what they did for the game coming to Australia and they're a side that I always respect and I do like to see the Warriors get a win, just not against the Titans. Move on to last year's Wooden Spooners. We have the West Tigers Key gains, where do you start? But let's start with Appy Corusel, Isaiah Papali'i, and John Bateman. Key losses, Luke Garner, Jackson Hastings, and James Tamo. I look at the Tigers, and I straight away think they have signed the best players by far. And if they had have ended up getting Cameron Serrato as their head coach, I'd be very confident they returned to finals. But although Tim Sheens is a legend of the game, he's won for Australia, he's won a premiership with the Tigers in the past, I do think the modern game is a little bit different and it requires a modern take. And let's not forget that Tim Sheens was moved on by the Tigers in the past because he wasn't quite up to scratch there. He went to Hull KR in the Super League where he improved his win percentage by 7% in a much easier competition. And then he was booted from Hull KR. And then he went to Widnes Vikings for seven games and was booted from there as well. 
So he's been booted from the last three of his coaching gigs that he's had. Um, to be effective in the modern game, you really need that NRL experience as a head coach in and out. And that's why we see a lot of teams asking coaches to build in the redundancy plans with the assistant coaches. I think the Tigers have addressed every issue besides the coach there potentially and one more. And this is a glaring issue that I can't ignore. Luke Brooks. He has over 150 NRL games. He's never played finals. The Tigers have not played finals since 2011, and he debuted in 2013. I feel like they've addressed everything. They've got great outside backs, great juniors coming through, awesome forward pack, um, an experienced coach in Tim Sheens, although I did raise some question marks there. But they haven't addressed the halfback. And in fact, they moved on. A rather good halfback in Jackson Hastings for Luke Brooks, who moves to $1.1 million. I think that's a mismanagement of the cap. I've still got question marks over that. Um, I don't have the Tigers very high this year. I have them at 12th. 12th for the Tigers. What about you, Winnie? How are you seeing the Tigers? You like them? You don't like them? I feel like they're the team that are the most up for debate this year. I tell you, if, if anybody predicts they're going to come ninth, then you're just trolling. You can't predict them ninth, whatever you do. There are people who are optimistic, including Tristan. He mentioned. Um, so because Top Sport, I've got to say this before, because Top Sport think the Titans and the Tigers are both going to do pretty well this year, they're actually going to give you the best odds by far of any bookie for the wooden spoon. So Toppy doesn't think they're going to be close to the wooden spoon. Therefore, the odds, I think, are 13 to 1. For other bookies, might be like $8. So if you think the Tigers repeat as wooden spoon, $13 you can get in the next kind of half hour on Top Sport. Same price for the Titans. I think they'll be safely away from the wooden spoon. I had him 12th. Uh, I had the same. I had a question about Luke Brooks. Okay, so he wanted to leave last year. He wanted to go to the Knights. The Knights wanted him and kind of thought they were getting him. The Tigers stood in front of releasing him. And as it turned out, Jackson Hastings, who wanted to stay, is now the Knights halfback, and Brooks, Brooks stays at the Tigers. So haven't the Tigers got the worst end of that deal? From anyone that you know, anyone that's watched NRL recently, I can't figure out how they managed to do that. But clearly, they had three halves that couldn't fit into two. Um, so you're going to give Brooks yet another chance. I think Dewey at at six is great. I, I really like um, Dane Laurie. You love the signings. I know Gorosau disrespected his new team and his um, post grand final interviews, but since been named the, the captain. Um, and then IPAP was doing everything possible to explore reneging on his contract. But look, they're both here. They're both in their prime, and they're both going to add to this side, as well as uh, Johnny Bateman. What a pickup that is as well. So there's real reasons to to get excited, to be optimistic if you are a Tigers fan, which is why I don't see them kind of at the bottom of the ladder. And then the other X factor is the Sheens-Benji era. So you're saying modern problems need modern solutions. But you've got that mixture there because Benji is going to be able to connect and resonate with the players, and they're going to have to perform and impress him too because, of course, he's going to be taking the reins so for that reason, I have this side eighth. Uh, sorry, I have this side closer to eighth than 17th, I should say. Um, I have them 12th. Okay. And that's a good point by Chubby. So we've got on the screen now. And I will get to that in our next segment after this. So please stay with me there. That's a, a really, really good question, which I, I definitely will get to. We've got one more team, guys. And that is the new side to this competition, being the Dolphins. Key gains. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to read them out because there's too many and there's no key <laughs> losses. Um, areas to chat about for the Dolphins. Awesome coach in Wayne Bennett. 
um, a little bit on the older side, but he has got more NRL experience recently than Tim Sheens does. I do think they have a rather average roster. I think their best 17 on paper, not bad, but as we know through an NRL season, injuries occur. And that's when I feel like they are going to run into a bit of trouble. When a Jesse Bromwich goes down for five weeks or um, a Felice Confucian, these experienced players start to um, potentially get injured. You know, it's an aging roster as well. The other component for the Dolphins that I really can't undersell here is I'm a Titans fan and I feel this to my core. It takes time in the modern game to start a new club. It takes years to build culture and to get the side to a winning place. It's always been the case. Look at how bad the Eels struggled back in 1947, for example. But I feel it's even more true now in the modern game uh, where so many teams are loaded with stars and have all their development pathways in place for a number of years. Got a lot of question marks over sides that I've mentioned in the past. I can't have any bigger question marks than the Dolphins because we have nothing prior to base them on. And so I've got them finishing 15th, which could be completely off the mark. But because I don't have any background to sort of base that off, only the roster they've currently got and the fact that they could get injured, I have to put them at 15th, Winnie. What about yourself? Where are you seeing the Dolphins this year? So they're at the very bottom of the betting odds in terms of they're the highest odds to win the comp. They're predicted to come 17th. Um, and I will share where I see them, unless people have already figured out every other position I've already um, spoken for. Uh, let me say, first of all, this is the club most geographically close to me. I've enjoyed going to the Redcliffe Stadium over the years. I know the loss of Flat Suncorp, I already mentioned, was a Broncos fan, um, but I gave that away. But now I've got a young son who needs an NRL team to support, um, and that team should be the Dolphins. So I'll admit that I'll hope to see them succeed, and that can kind of be my team in spirit. But I think we all know they're going to struggle, so I'm not going to hesitate betting against them when I see the opportunities there. Obviously, there's going to be some big lines, but we try and tip against the line. So every game you can make a case for any team. So it's going to be very interesting. And they're obviously a side you've got to wait and see to a degree. We've seen them in trials, but um, we want to really assess, you know, how far away are they? You said they had no losses, Clarkie, but I'm going to make a case they kind of did have some losses because Kalen Ponga, Cameron Munster, you know, Latrell, Cody Walker, Reese Walsh, Brandon Smith, Jerome Hughes, Harry Grant, you know, weren't these guys all potentially targets? Reed Marnie, weren't they? And they just didn't get any of them. And I just, I thought they were going to, they'd have a big bankroll. They'd get one or two people to put on billboards and to, you know, sell some excitement and to build a team around. And I actually, I do applaud them for not panicking and not throwing the money at a mid-level star and trying to sell them as a big star. Because the fact is, you're not going to win the comp or even make the eight in your first year. You don't need to go all in. It is about building. And what's success for this team? Success is to not get smashed every week. Success is probably to avoid the wooden spoon and to just get a few signature wins. And when they play Brisbane to, you know, play respectable in their local derby. Um, but I look at the, who they have recruited. Look, um, in a few years' time, could Hammy, so Tabu Ifudo, be a star? I believe he could be. I think Tessie New is a pretty strong player. Marshall King could be one of the best hookers in the competition in the next couple of years. Tom Gilbert has already... Um, played Origins. So, look, they haven't done too badly, plus all the experience that you mentioned, but still I kind of weigh it all up and I think, yeah, you've got no no continuity. Uh, it's very tough and a lack of game breakers again. Um, you know, I didn't really want to put them last. I hope they don't finish 17th, 
but I couldn't justify any other NRL club below them. So although the Titans, when they came in the competition in 2007, your boys, um, I think they won 10 and lost 14 in that range and came about 12. Uh, they actually did get some marquee players. That was a stronger squad. The Dolphins aren't going to go that good. So I did have them rock bottom, bottom, I'm afraid to say. The 17th team we discussed, I do have 17th. And the thing is for the Dolphins, even if they perform poor this year, the NRL does mandate you spend 90% of your salary cap. And so there is an opportunity to front load players' contracts now and get them at cheaper, which would allow them to sign more marquee players as they become available. And if you are a Dolphins fan, guys, uh, there's a documentary coming out on Stan uh, Dawn of the Dolphins. I think it's March 6. I'm really, really keen on that. We're going to move on to some uh, some quick predictions in the in the near future, guys. But just before we do, Winnie, my ladder for the 2023 season, my final ladder in order of 1 to 17, I've got Roosters, Panthers, Storm, Sharks, Cowboys, Rabbitohs, Eels, Broncos. There's my top eight. And outside the top eight, I've got Manly, Bulldogs, Raiders, Tigers, Titans, Knights, Dolphins, Warriors, Dragons. Just before we roll on, do you want to go over your ladder 1 to 17? I won't confuse people. I actually have the same top eight as you. Uh, we have some sides we disagree kind of what direction. Like I'm higher on Eels than you are. You're higher on Storm than me. I'm a little bit higher on Knights probably than anybody. Um, but I can touch a bit more on my strongest opinions when we get to our season predictions, which we'll do now. Absolutely. Let's jump into that right now, guys. We've got about 15 minutes left in the show. Stay with us. We've got our future predictions right now. How we'll do this is, Winnie, I'll call it out. I'll jump straight to you. You tell me how you feel about it. I'll come in with my opinion. We'll jump on. Let's start off with grand final winner. Who have you got? Okay, so I've got the Roosters. I'm going the Roosters again. I said minor premiership, so then I think that they will have the ability to um, rest players, spell players, and prime themselves for a massive campaign September and hopefully for them October. I think they can be every bit as good as Penrith who will have a bit of attrition and they are the hunted. And, look, Penrith could definitely go back to back to back, um, but I've got the Roosters defeating the Panthers in the final game of the year. How about yourself, mate? Yep, I've got to go the Roosters as well. I feel like the Brandon Smith signing is really, really underrated, as is that comment by, uh, comment by Golden Anime 7. I love that. Um, Suwali'i, another year under his belt, and they've just got so much X factor over the park. Let's go to the other end of the ladder now, Winnie. Who is the Wooden Spooners for 2023? The team that I've still left their um, logo up in the top right-hand corner for me, the Dolphins. And uh, you said the Dragons, didn't you? Yes, unsettled roster. Same reasons as I offered, really, when we previewed them. I just, yeah, I just don't believe in that Dragons sign where they're headed at the moment. Best signing. Who are you looking at for your best signing this year? Well, I think a few contenders have picked up people. Um, obviously, you mentioned Brandon Smith. So I'll go maybe um, some couple of players that are going to teams that didn't make the eight last year. Reese Walsh, I think, could be a game changer for Brisbane. Um, I know Kevy's trying to pour water on it, but I think he's got a lot of talent. He was picked for Queensland, but then uh, hamstring injury held him out. And Jack Hastings, again, you're seeing a little trend here. But I think he could make a difference uh, for the Novacastrians. Who do you think will be the most important or best recruit this year? Really difficult to answer. Uh, when I did do this post on my page, I did one for each team, which was much easier. I picked out Appy Coruscant, but I'm not like, you know, 100%. He'll be the best, no doubt about it. Um, I just think he really changed the Panthers when he came to that side. He offers something a little bit different there. And with the captaincy, uh, it could potentially take his game to a new level, which takes me back to Trubbish and what he said before 
um, regarding that if I believe Serraldo went to the Tigers, why would I have them higher than the Bulldogs? And he said, do you see too much difference in their rosters? I see one man that's different, Apisai Cotisau. And the fact that what he did with that Panther side and how he turned them around freed up the halves. That I do think there is an opportunity for the Panthers to really improve on the back of Appy Coruscant. Uh, opportunity. I use that word, opportunity. Not 100% they will, but a good opportunity. The Dally M medal. Who have you got for that one, Winnie? I saw you posted your predictions today, and we've both got the same premiers now. We've revealed Roosters. We've both got the same Dally M. I think it's Cleary. I feel like Edwards got his flowers Last year, getting Clive Churchill. People don't rate Luai as much. Coruscant's not there taking votes. Kickout's not taking votes off Cleary. So he gets plenty of them. And he should have won it in 2020, uh, I believe. It was the best player in the competition that year. And just the way the voting worked, he didn't quite get it. Um, I've still got Penrith coming second. So Cleary, any other reasons you want to add to that? Well, I think arguably has been the best player um, for the past three years. And, you know, the Dallium, nine times out of ten, does get the best player, right, even with the system. Um, Nathan Cleary, for one reason or another, hasn't got there. As you said, with Coruscant gone, all the points are going to go to Nathan there. Sharpest improver on the ladder. Is there anyone you're looking at there in particular? The Newcastle Knights, if you didn't uh, catch my drift already. And so how about I give a tip, a futures tip off the back of that. Um, I've got Toppy to create a market. Now, they like the Tigers and the Titans, as we know, who both finished bottom four last year. The Knights also finished bottom four. The Warriors finish bottom four, and then everyone has the Dolphins basically in their bottom four or bottom five. So I said to Tristan, can you give us best of a bad bunch market and give us who will finish highest out of the bottom four of last year plus the Dolphins? And I'll put it on the screen. You can back that now on Toppy. And I'm going to take the Newcastle Knights at $6 to finish higher than West Gold Coast New Zealand and the Dolphins. Now, this is great value for me because they're about $5.550 to make the eight. They could finish higher than these sides I just mentioned and still finish somewhere from ninth to 13th. I don't think it's a certainty that they're going to win a lot of games. You can bet them over six and a half wins on sports bet, but I think they've got that potential. And if they do win, they'll feed off the confidence. And I reckon this is a great way to play them. I'll be backing that myself. Those odds of $6 will not be available forever. You can get them now, you can get them in the I think it's going to be available till at least 9.30 um, Sydney time. So another half hour after this show, you can get on. If you want to jump on, get a Top Sport account, use code TPLive. A lot of people that follow Tripod have already um, used Toppy and really enjoy using them and might want to look at that Knight's Best of a Bad Bunch bet at $6. Who's your improver, Clarky? My actual was the Tigers. They jumped up four spots on my ladder, but that was by nature of my 20... Uh, 2023 predicted that it was quite similar to the actual 2020. So there was no one that really jumped up too far, um, but it was the Tigers there with four positions. Uh, what about your sharpest decline? Who do you see tumbling down that ladder a little bit this year? So the Raiders, that's the team that I said. I think I had them 11th. I could be off the mark, but again, I wonder if the pack can get that, uh, past their best. And, um, and then if they're not able to bully teams with their physicality up front, then the other players that are still good, like White, and just won't enjoy the same fruits of their labour. So that's why I had the Raiders outside the eight. Mine was the Eels and the Raiders as well. I had them both dropping three spots, Eels fourth to seventh, Raiders eighth to 11th. Um, if I had to offer one right now, I probably would say the Raiders probably a little bit more likely there. Any more future bets from yourself? Yeah, so this is my traditional season. 
custom future multi. And if you're wondering, do these actually win? Yes, 2021, we won $15. And just last year, if you watched uh, Clarkie and I do Rugby League World Cup Radio, we gave you that World Cup combo. That one as well, $7. There's been some other couple of sporting events that I've tipped and um, won a custom multi that have been good fun. And here is mine for 2023. Again, this is $11 odds if you want to jump on um, tonight. Because what happens is Toppy honours this price, gives you all the chance to get on. You're the loyal followers. But they've got liability limits. And this is $11 odds. A lot of people get on there, have their max 50, and the liability builds up pretty quickly. And Toppy have had to pay out like hundreds of thousands on some of these in the past. So they can't hold that price guaranteed forever. Um, the text is a bit smaller for me to read it, but I've got it here in front of me. So I have, I'll just put it up on the screen again, Panthers, Roosters. Cowboys, Rabbitohs, and Eels, all in the eight. So that's actually my top five. And so I'm comfortable that they're all going to be in the top eight. And then I've got the Raiders to not be top four, which I think is pretty safe. I don't have them in the eight. And my bold prediction is the Storm misses the top four because I have some of those other sides a little bit higher than them. That's $11 odds. Again, jump on toppy if you like the sound of that. What do you reckon, Clarky? I guess you're, um, you're not... Don't necessarily agree with me with the Melbourne Storm, but you can see um, that I feel like this could be the year that they do regress or come back to the pack somewhat. Yeah, I can I can definitely see the argument there. I think with the Storm, it really comes down to how big do you weigh their losses of experience? Can they replace sort of the, the key players in their forward pack there? I think they will, but I can honestly perfectly see why another person wouldn't think they would. If I was to have any future bets or to include anything in a multi the three things that I think there might be some value around that I'm keen on would be Dragons, Wooden Spoon, Storm Top 4, so we'll go against you there, sorry, and uh, Broncos Top 8. I, I think if you were to put all three of those uh, together or um, even add them to any other future multis you've got, I am pretty keen on those three. Any more future bets before we wrap up this show? For longer shots, I think that Knights player game out is the best way to go about backing them because I've only got to finish better than the other bad sides. But $17 if you take the Knights as the most improved side, and that is determined by who exceeds their ladder points from 2022 by the most. So the Knights had 14 points last season, but you've got other teams like the Tigers only had 10 points last season, and most people think the Tigers are better than the Knights. So the Tigers are shorter in that market, but $17 or the season handicap. Again, these are both on toppy. Um, the Knights getting a 20 and a half points head start, but everyone is getting a various start. Um, $13. Happy to discuss these and other teams that other people like. I mentioned uh, Undertaker taking the bunnies in that very same market, but these are juicy ones. And that's my theory with futures bets and my advice. You don't want to put a lot of money down. You might look at it and go, oh, roosters to make the eight is a certainty, $1.16. But what are you going to do? Tie up your whole bankroll for a whole season, you can make more money than that rolling it over and having it available to you to make the best bets throughout the year, in my opinion. But it doesn't mean I don't like futures. I love getting on some juicy odds and having that fun and having bets that you can ride all year. So I'm looking for longer shots that are high variance. They're not going to win every time, but maybe it only takes one or two to win and you're going to be in profit. And I don't mind risking a little portion of my money on some long shots. And I'd love to hear any other long shots that people are um, riding or looking at backing. Absolutely, guys. Well, it is time that we wrap up the show. So it's time that I say thank you very much to Winnie and his uh, expertise there on the bets. A nine-year winning record, is that correct? 
eight years, this is year number nine. So hopefully um, we haven't jinxed it, but I'm pretty confident that we'll uh, win more than we lose again in 2023, mate. And uh, I want to thank you. I thought that went really well. And it was a pleasure um, chewing the fat with you and talking footy, which I love to do. Could have gone a lot longer, but we deliberately tried to keep it short and sharp, which will be our style through the year ahead as well. Absolutely. Well, the episodes will be a bit shorter. Uh, on behalf of Winnie and myself, thank you very much to all the viewers, particularly if you have been here the whole time. Don't forget, we are available on podcast players as well. Just search Tripod. You can listen to the audio version there. All odds quoted, guys, through Top Sports will be available for another 30 minutes. Then they may bring them down, depending on punter interest there. So if you don't want to miss out, guys, the sign-up code is TPLIVE. Sign up to Top Sports if you want. Take advantage of some of the tips that Jacob has provided. And, of course, remember to message Tripod or Jacob Wynn on Facebook after you do sign up. The mixed matchups, I'm going to give you one more wrap before we close out the show because for the Rugby League World Cup, you absolutely killed it. Was it a was it five out of five? It was 100%, was it? That's right, mate. It was. So um, we can only go down from that. But um, we will be delivering a mixed matchup every single week as well. And that's they've won over 60% for two full years now. And these are odds over $2.50. So it's been um, very profitable for people that have jumped on and a bit of fun as well that we'll have to offer our followers, who we appreciate. So thank you to everyone who tuned in. You're the real MVPs. You make it possible for us. Absolutely, guys. And we will see you next Wednesday to preview round one of the NRL season. Thanks again, guys. Looking forward to seeing you then. Cheers, guys.